can you improve and strengthen your marriage? Join us today as I interview Dr. Pat Hollinger Pickett. We'll discuss her book, The Marriage Whisperer, Tips to Improve Your Relationship Overnight. She'll offer practical tips and guidance for relationship enrichment. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and host for today's radio program. I want to welcome Dr. Pat Hollinger Pickett here today uh, for two decades two decades. She has listened and learned from individuals and couples determined to improve and strengthen their marriage. As a licensed marriage and family therapist, she believes in the power of couples to create great relationships and can witness to some of the amazing changes of couples she's worked with. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Kay. I'm pleased to have the invitation. All right. Well, I love your book, uh, The Marriage Whisperer. And uh, let me ask uh, about uh, marriage. Do marriage therapists, uh, are they immune to the trials and tribulations of marriage, married life? I, I wish that was true, but it absolutely is not true. We have some what some people might think are advantages because we have knowledge and we can benefit from the experiences of others. But if we go home and keep our expert hat on, that's just a surefire recipe for disaster. You bet. Yeah. And you share at the very beginning of the book just a story uh, about you and your husband. And uh, uh, we don't need to necessarily go into that. But if that comes up in the conversation, I know our listeners will want to understand that, you know, marriage therapists are not immune to these challenges that we face. We yeah, all face them. Absolutely not immune. Yeah. And uh, But it's important to for every couple, as well as marriage therapists, to learn from their own relationships when things kind of are on the downside, to learn how to bring it back up. So as well as uh, the couples I see, I use Daryl's in my marriage, with his approval, of course, <laughs> yeah. uh, for insight into the dynamics of couples. That's great. Well, tell me why you wrote the book. There's, it's just, I love the chapters and the information, but uh, obviously because you've listened to a lot of uh, couples, but uh, how did the book come into be? Well, there are two answers to that, and I'll give you one of them first, and that is for years there were three questions that couples had asked me. One of them is, could they take me home? <laughs> a second one that was very popular is, could you be a bug in our ear to help us out? And the third one is, doggone it, why don't you write a book? Oh. And so of those three, naturally, the one that was most uh, doable was the book. And the other reason I wrote the book was that I believe in strengthening families mm-hmm. one marriage at a time. Good. Good. And so also, before we get started into some of the chapters and some of the details in the book, uh, the book would be geared for couples that are married, are going to get married, but not not necessarily couples that are ready to get a divorce. Would you agree with that? And, and explain who the target would be for the book. Right. Uh, the, ta- the target for the book are couples between the ages of 30 on up. A lot of times, however, younger couples could learn a lot from reading the book, would perhaps be less motivated. Um, And the target is for couples who have strong marriages already and would like to keep it that way. And for couples who maybe they say the thrill is gone Mm -hmm. 
and they feel themselves drifting or a little more bickering or they're finding that they're disrespecting each other. Oh. And those are some of the important signals that there's work needs to be done. And some couples also become complacent. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is good enough and don't want to put in the work to take their marriage to the next level. And so this is the audience for my book. I had originally thought that maybe the upper age would be 50-something, but um, it's come to my attention that people in their 60s are looking at it, and 40-year-plus married people are finding uh, good information to uh, follow and apply. That's great. That's great. Well, uh, one of the early chapters is speaking and hearing. Explain, just kind of summarize uh, why you named it that and uh, why that's important, the difference between speaking and hearing. Well, when couples get into spats, I heard what you said. No, that's not what you said. Oh, but it is. I said that. No. Well, communication is more than just speaking and hearing. It's about understanding. And we haven't communicated with someone until what they meant is what we understood. And there are a lot of silly and absolutely ridiculous arguments. Well, you use the word kind of, and that means, no, that's not what I meant. I meant something. Well, but you can't change your words now. You have to. That's what you said. I heard what you said. So then it's more than just a recitation of the words. It's the meaning behind it. Mm Mm-hmm. And words don't really have any meaning when they fly through the air. I can say something, and I have intention in what I say. and But when you hear it, the outcome might be different than what I intended. Mm-hmm. And that's it's not about the words per se. Um, and a memory that can almost recite conversations is only useful, uh, not to prove the other partner wrong, but to maybe get to the bottom of how one word meets something different. And uh, so that's how I came across calling it speaking and hearing. That's great. Well, in each of your chapters, and speaking and hearing is chapter two, um, you you have numbers. And uh, let me just read one of these. They're very brief, but they kind of set the stage. Uh, Number one, deal or rather no deal. Uh, Louise admits she frequents frequently promises Armstrong to complete a task, but days, even weeks later, the task remains undone. Armstrong attempts reminders, but that wears thin. He feels like her father. Louise feels like a naughty child. In contrast, when Armstrong commits to a task, the deed is as good as done and is completed ahead of time, no matter what the challenge. They constantly bicker. He cannot understand why she promises and does not deliver. Armstrong feels aggravated and overwhelmed by the chores that remain unfinished because Louise breaks deals. She seeks improvement but questions why her husband always thinks she has agreed to his deadlines. Um, just make some comments, and afterwards you, you kind of flush this out about that, and, and this is a common issue in marriages, is it not? It certainly is, because it's about timetable and use of time and priorities. Mm-hmm. And when couples agree to do something, they're frequently, if they don't explore it, soon might mean in the next five minutes to the one partner, and it might mean eh, within the week, that's good enough. And unless couples are very explicit in what they mean and, and to really outline their expectations 
uh, for delivery of a promise. There can be a lot of bad feelings and mudslinging and useless arguments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's so true. And everybody has different ways of getting things done. So um, I, I think that that's just very, very, a very common thing. And then again, afterwards, you have a lot of, and we can't necessarily go into all the details, but you really flush these issues out to help the people that are reading this. Do you encourage the people that get this book to read it together as couples? Absolutely, because it's designed for that purpose so that both sides are fully explored, his position and her position. And there is not necessarily a gender pattern to who's on what side of the issue. It does. It's all over the map. But uh, readers will identify with one position or the other. And at the same time, couples who are strong in these areas, it's important that they read the book to understand some of the basis of their strength and use it as a red flag if some of these issues start flaring up as problems, whereas before they were very strong in resolving things like that. Mm -hmm. Good, good. And there's lots of different things. Number five was communication with a long-winded spouse. Now, I'm sure somebody in the listening audience is used to that. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what you share re related to that. Right. Um, I hesitated to refer to anyone as long-winded <laughs> because uh, I can go there frequently. Uh, I think we all can. But... Um, that is really a dynamic between the two, and it's created between two people. Often the person who has more expressiveness, who either likes to talk more or is just plain more verbal, verbally expressive, uh, starts out that way, and it's appreciated by the partner. Oh, gee, she's just such a good communicator. And then on the other hand, she'll say, oh, he's so mild-mannered and quiet and such a good listener. But over time, if uh, she doesn't learn to zip it a little bit, and if he doesn't learn to open it more, then they will uh, polarize. She will actually be doing all the talking while he sits there impatiently. And it could be the reverse, too, that he's the talker. Uh, again, as I said, there's no real gender pattern to it. No. But uh, So sometimes it, it boils out into... She talks more, so he talks less. He talks less, so she talks even more. And then all of a sudden, she never shuts up. He never <laughs> opens his mouth. Yeah. And uh, these are polarities that can develop over time if each does not learn from the strength of the other. Mm -hmm. I said to you before the program started that my husband and I are very different. And it took us years. We used to argue over the differences, but it took, uh, took me years to realize that God puts different types of people together, that my husband's strengths are my weaknesses and, and vice versa. And it helps now as we look at that. I wish, again, someone had told us that years ago. We maybe wouldn't have believed him, but, uh, but, but is that, do you find that true as well? Well, absolutely. We need both differences and similarities in relationships to have them at their peak. St uh, similarities create stability. And we have to have enough overlap in our beliefs. But differences mix it up, create excitement and challenge, and also offer wonderful opportunities for individual personal growth from someone very important, your partner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Today, Family Shield is giving away the booklet, Live the Six, Being an Everyday Missionary. To request a complimentary copy, call the Family Shield Response Center, one 877 250 
8416 or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. Please make sure you give us your complete name and address when you call or write. The Family Shield radio program airs on more than 50 radio stations each week throughout the United States and is also available through our podcast. We are a listener-supported ministry. We invite your prayers and support. If you'd like to support us, send a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. You can also donate on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to www.thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice or call Thrivent at 1-800-847-4836 and one of their employees will help you. Remember, you choose, but Thrivent gives the gift. Your gift will allow us to continue the ministries for many generations and beyond your lifetime. For more information, contact us at witness2family at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening to Family Shield and for your prayers. Learn more again at www.familyshieldministries.com. This is Kay Meyer, host for today's Family Shield program. Thanks for listening. Pat, I'd like to uh, give you a minute right now to share where our listeners can get connected to you. You have a website. Can you tell us where that is? Yes. uh, Thank you, Kay. Listeners can get more information and find me on www.themarriagewhisper.net. And that has different methods of contact and information about further information about myself, my background and the book. And they can re- they can buy a book there too, can't they? Because oh, ab- absolutely. Our, our drawings we're only going to give away three, so <laughs> right. uh, I want to encourage people to do that. And again, me- remember that if you listen to this program and your husband or spouse did not get a chance to, you can re-listen to that on our on that www.globalgospelbeacon.com. Um, because sometimes it's going to be a wife that listens. And as you said, have them both reading, listening, both listening to this is also well. We want to go back to the book. And one of your chapters is Habits and Chores. Tell us uh, what's in that chapter and a little bit of why you named it Habits and Chores. Well, the primary conflict that a lot of couples have that they don't seem to be able to overcome is differences in housekeeping standards, practices, and interest in what level of housekeeping to to uh, prefer and to act on. And often it happens that the more tidy individual believes that he or she is absolutely right, and so they persist beyond reason to try to convert the less tidy partner to conform to their standards. And that, again, is a recipe for disaster. And it's, you know, I want it done my way. Well, when I try to do it her way, what she does is clean it up after me. (laughs) And uh, so after a while, it becomes pointless. Why should I clean it up this way? Because she's just going to do it over. 
Or she'll say, I can never do it well enough to please him, and it's just as upsetting. I'd rather spend my time doing something else. And so that can kind of seesaw and go backward with um, the more tidy person often taking a a righteous or self-righteous position and just dig his or her heels in um, with insisting that a certain level or a certain way of keeping house is the way to be. So again, the differences, people's differences in their background and in what they like, somebody that's uh, you have in here, uh, obsessive cleaner and sloppy partner. Right. <laughs> we hear that a lot. Uh, I mean, if someone, you know, if one of the spouses has to have everything just so and the other spouse just drops everything no matter where and never cleans up, that, that, that will be challenging. What do you tell them, Patty, when they're in that situation? They're married and one's the obsessive cleaner and the other's the sloppy partner. What do you share? Well, it's important that it does not become about the tidy person just dropping his or her standards totally and just like giving up and throwing in the towel and living in a situation in which they're uncomfortable. And it also is not about the less tidy partner uh, sprucing it up beyond what he or she cares to do and um, doesn't really value it or doesn't notice the dust on the counter or doesn't care that there's 16 books packed up on the uh, kitchen counter. And so it's a question of negotiating standards and believing that neither standard really is right. What's right is how the couple can compromise and come more to the center and make deals. And make deals. Now, I I told you earlier, and I wasn't sure which chapter it came in, one of the things I really liked in the book, and I'm not even sure if I have the correct term, but you talked about a huddle. Yes. Tell our listeners how you what that is and how they might use it to resolve a conflict. It's designed to introduce playfulness in the midst of conflict. And so when couples have an issue that maybe they're having difficulty discussing or one person can discuss it to the death and the other one doesn't even want to open his or her mouth, one way to do it is to strike a pose, which is similar to a football huddle. And this will just be two people, not many players on the field. And to begin to talk while they are huddled. And of course, in a generally soft voice. What tends to happen, and you create the possibility of first creating physical closeness, physical touch is a good thing, and introducing humor, and couples will often just start laughing and be able to discuss it in a little more gracious manner rather than going at it viciously. Mm -hmm. I love that. And you had several other types of things like that in there. So again, after these things are discussed, you really break down different ways people can learn to compromise, as you said. And I I love that. There's just so much in this book that, you know, it's, it's hard to even share all of it. So another uh, area under habits and chores is anger issues are messy problem. Would that be similar to what we just talked about or is that a little different? Well, it's a variation, a different way of expressing it. And the problem there is that one partner is criticizing the other for getting so mad about something so small, such as underwear left in the bathroom or cups left in the family room after an evening of television. And so it's blaming. It's not that I'm so messy. It's you just get angry and go off about everything. Mm. And then the other person would say, well, I wouldn't get angry if you didn't leave stuff around. And it can go back and forth. 
And it's not really either problem. It's not about the anger and it's not about the messiness. It's about the inability of a couple to respect each other and to work something out agreeably on a reasonable and very respectful tone. Great. Well, um, there's more we could talk about related to habits and chores, and you kind of break that down into um, uh, these types of things, these types of debates happen over kids, child care, and active parenting, over the home, organizational, scheduling, housekeeping, yard work. I've been asking my husband for the last week to make sure now he doesn't just cut the grass, but also trims. (laughs) And today he finally got out there and started doing it. And it's like, okay, because am I nagging? Yes, I was nagging, but it was getting, you know, to the point where it really needed to be done. So that that reminded me of that. But uh, the maintenance and then money issues, which we haven't talked about, paid employment, purchases, bill paying and investing. I can see money issues really do cause problems. But how does that relate to habits and chores? Can you just give me an example? Well, I think that the root of a lot of money issues, aside from not having enough, but uh, to using what you have in the best way, is when one person takes over all the finances and the other one joyfully stays in the dark and lets the responsibility for the planning on the other person. And whether it's the husband or the wife, it, it varies. Um, ultimately that breaks down because one person is in the dark about what can be spent or should be spent, and that tends to defeat a healthy practice of talking money and making plans. So even if one person is very strong in managing money and finances, it's not good for the couple that he or she totally take care of it. There ought to be regular routine uh, financial chats. Mm to share the information and the state of the family money mm-hmm. talks. Uh, that builds closeness. It builds a reality and allows the couple to join together in their financial planning and financial goals for the family. Okay, very good. Well, the next chapter that I have written down is Arguments, Disagreements, and Differences, Chapter 4. Um, uh, here's something I had. Dif- differences do not always divide. They also enrich relationships. Disagreements... Uh, not only mean that one person it doesn't always mean that one person is right and the other is wrong. They just differ. Talk a little bit more about that focus of the fact that differences uh, can actually enrich uh, enrich relationships. I found that interesting. A lot of unsuccessful conversations rile up into arguments because each party is trying to convince and prove the other person being wrong, and. In couples where they have little tolerance for differences or little understanding, sometimes that's the focus of the argument. I'll prove you wrong, and I'm right, so you're wrong, and that never goes anywhere that a marriage needs to go. And so differences do enrich because we can learn from them. And any discussion or debate around differences should always involve understanding and listening very carefully to your partner, not planning what you're going to say next to uh, counteract or debate or prove him or her wrong. Yeah, yeah, I can see that, and I think that's excellent. Um, Now, I I was going to ask you some more questions about that chapter, but I think I'm just going to touch on the, the, the next one, analytical versus emotional people. Uh, What an important 
aspect. And uh, uh, let's just talk a little bit about that. We have about four minutes left, and we'll see where, where we go for the rest of the program. That is so important because often in a couple, when you look at differences, a, an emotionally expressive person is drawn to a person who is analytical and a, and a strong-line thinker. And vice versa, the strong-line thinker is attracted to the bubbly, emotionally expressive person on the other side. Too often, however, there's a lot of mudslinging. You know, you're you're cold and unexpressive, or you're just an emotional basket case. And name-calling uh, takes over where appreciation of individual differences should be in a couple. And neither is a better strength. Being logical doesn't mean you're stronger and being emotional doesn't mean you're weaker. They are both strengths that are important for both partners to learn. And so the logical one can use, learn to use emotions and access emotional expressiveness, while the one who focuses on emotional expression can learn to settle down, breathe, and think through things as well. And the best decisions, Kay, are made through a combination of emotional expression and reason-logical thinking. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Very good. Uh, can you give me one example of someone you've worked with that one was analytical and the other was emotional? Well, it, um, it can always go around a topic of purchasing a vehicle. And one might be, and this has happened quite a bit, uh, other purchases as well, that, uh, and I'll just say he is focusing on gas mileage and focusing on price and focusing on this, that, and the other. And she's more, but it's so ugly and it's so big and I don't want to drive it. And if he rules, then she will be forever unhappy in that vehicle. And if she rules, then he'll be complaining forever about the, the gas mileage and all that type of thing. So it's best to debl- blend what you like with what is functional. Okay. Very good. Very good. We have about two minutes left. Um, now, the uh, the last segment, uh, our chapter... I think it's the last chapter, is sex and intimacy. What do you share about that? And and again, for our listeners, each of these have all of these different stories, number, you know, I don't know how far up you go in your numbers because I didn't write them all down, but uh, uh, real stories of people you've worked with and then you flush out ways that they can uh, help and work in those areas. What what would our listeners, with just a couple minutes left here, want to learn about that last chapter, sex and intimacy? That it's something that you need to discuss, you don't need to assume anything, and you don't send mixed signals. That you discuss it openly and reach some type of understanding of what your partner's needs are and express your own clearly and then work out a way to settle uh, what needs to be settled so both can be satisfied uh, with the level of intimacy and sexual expressiveness in the marriage. All right, very good. Uh, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. My guest has been Dr. Pat Hollinger Pickett. Her book, The Marriage Whisperer. We're going to be giving away two of three of those books in a drawing, as well as a deck of the Marriage Whisperer Challenge. Uh, playing cards. I think that's a great idea for getting people to talk about some of these issues. Uh, We're going to be giving away the book booklet, Uncover the Lover Within, if you call our response center. Again, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. 
To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.